That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. to another jam-packed edition of Zone Star State, The Swarm. It is a podcast for non-Division One basketball teams in Texas. And today, we're going to talk... Look, we're going to get into this Ja'Cory Ely story that broke this week. And we're going to ask... We're, we're going to talk about why that is important. Why Ja'Cory Ely's eligibility is important. And then we're going to get into the conference basketball tournaments uh, with the American Southwest and the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference settling their automatic bids this weekend. I'm Corey Hogue, the non-D1 insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. Find me on your favorite social media channels at Corey Hogue Sports. That's all one word. C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E Sports. And find my work at TexasFootball.com backslash basketball joining me again is riley zayas he is the man behind everything that has that mary harden baylor has to do and he also has true to the crew.com where you can find all his information on umhb but he's far more than just a, a one school guy he is a he's one of the foremost experts in division three he's even got a newsletter focused on D3 sports in Texas. He has one on D3 women's basketball. I, I received one this morning. You can find Riley on his social media at Zayas Riley. That's at Z-A-Y-A-S-R-I-L-E-Y. That's all one word. And then at True to the Crew for his Mary Harden Baylor stuff. And if you are interested in that newsletter, I highly recommend you go subscribe to that at d3texas.substack.com. Riley? Not a whole lot going on, right? Like, I mean, it you know, just uh, a basketball game or two this week, right? Yeah, not a whole lot going on. Just uh, just some postseason basketball with with team seasons on the line. You know, we uh, yeah, we're we're staying busy though, Corey. It's it's uh, it's been a a this is always a fun time of year, right? When you get into the postseason, you got teams playing uh to advance. You know, their conference semifinals and obviously their conference title games. Uh, this is the time of year that every single one of these teams work for. This is the time of year that we, as as you know, media guys, as just fans of the sport, uh, really love. Uh, it brings out the best in teams, and yeah, I mean, uh, you talk about busy. I think we we're both staying pretty busy this week. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, uh, except for this story. Uh, I want to start here by diving into. Uh, what broke on, I believe it finally broke on Monday, and kind of how 
we came about that story. And it's the story of Eastern New Mexico's Jacory Ely and his eligibility. He is the Lone Star Conference leading scorer. So, so that right there adds in a, a level of intrigue. But why it's important is something we're going to discuss. But I'm not going to just give that away just yet. I want to back up and kind of give an insight into how some of this comes about. Because, look, rumors and allegations – they happen for me year round, but in, during football season and basketball season, they are existent in all places, in all ways, in all facets. And and the question I I first do is it worth is it worth the time, right? And there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, for example, every choice you make has intended and unintended consequences. Uh, typically, we try to make the intended consequences good, but that means the unintended are not always so good. So my first thing is, is it worth what the pushback and the unintended consequences? Uh, because at the end of the day, I am I, I get to watch sports and then I write about it, right? My I am paid off of views and listeners. That's how I, that's how my contract works. But coaches get hired and fired based off a win-loss record. Players, we're talking about a, a man whose college career would be over, right? His collegiate basketball career would be over. These are not things to take lightly by any means. And so you really have to weigh those risks uh, and try to get that side. And I think if you go read the story at texasfootball.com backslash basketball, you will hear, you will read in there uh, kind of how, you know, the people who think that Ely's ineligible and then how Ely's supporters uh, feel about that. It's important to get those, to get both of those out there in this. So Thursday night, I'm in a, conversation it's not unusual after basketball games uh this time this was with an administrator of a uh, of one of the schools in lone star conference and i love these conversations because we talk scenarios and we talk playoffs and we talk tournaments and in passing that night there was a mention of i'm not sure there's a little word going on about jacory ely okay i i just went okay right went to bed didn't think anything of it Friday morning, I get a text message from a coach a complete other state, right? Not even a part of the Lone Star Conference. And this coach, we have a regular text conversation like we normally do. And then he goes, hey, I hear Ja'Cory Ely may not be eligible. And at that point, I went, okay, this might be worth at least looking into, right? And, and so... The reason why it's important to look into, and I, I said this from the start, coaches get fired. Coaches get fired based off their win-loss record. Coaches also get fired based off making the Lone Star Conference tournament or not. And there are coaches this year that will be fired because they did not make the Lone Star Conference tournament. If an ineligible player who should not have been on the floor had a role in that, I believe in fairness to that coach, that deserve that information deserves to be out there. Now, I'm not going to rehash the whole story with you. Basically, because again, 
listeners and viewers, right? Go read <laughs> readers and listeners, right? <laughs> Go read yeah. over at texasfootball.com backslash basketball. Uh, the issue is around his eligibility of prep schools. Did he play one or two years of prep school? He played high school. He won a state championship. He went prep school. NCAA allows you one year of prep school, not count against eligibility. I obtained between Friday morning and Monday afternoon, I obtained Facebook links, videos of that team season. Right. So I was able to go through every game they posted. I, I intentionally looked for separate dates because the NCAA says you've played in a full year if it's more than 20% of a season, which in this case for this scenario is six games. I found 11 different dates where he's on the floor. You hear his name called, you, you see his number, you see him. Right. I also obtained links that are not in the story of because I'm not throwing a, a person's family members in with this, right? Like I'm not in this to, to take, <laughs> you know, we're not going, Oh, I'm a parent. I have a kid that's played college and high school athletics, right? Like I, I understand you support your child. I'm not going to use that against you. That I found other ways of doing it. There's other things that were kept out of the story as well, uh, because I will not, disclose sources and i don't want to point any sore anyone to where it came from i will say this for this story it did not take long for me to get a lot of sources <laughs> it was it is a very big hot button in the lone star conference so i felt that it was important enough to go after and that's why because if a coach is going to get fired over this, the truth needs to be out. Now, at the end of the day, none of it really matters anymore, right? Because the NCAA said he's good. And in his defense, that's all he needs, right? He doesn't need to prove to me or to anyone else. The NCAA said he's good, and he's good. My question is, if they make the Elite Eight, is he still good? I hope so. Because if he's not good when it comes time to make the Elite Eight, he should not be eligible now when a coach can be fired in the Lone Star Conference. So that, obviously, you know, I reached out to the conferences and I, you know, I, I reached out to the coach of Eastern New Mexico. I, I reached out everywhere, tried to get as much information as I could uh, for this story. And that's why I felt it was important, Riley, and, and why that's a story that just needed to be told. Yeah, I think that was incredibly well said, Corey. Uh, you know, for anyone who who read um, that article, if you haven't already, go go check that out. You know, very well reported. Uh, just just a lot of 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 good insight there and information as to why um, people are questioning the eligibility. Um, it, you know, it's it, these claims are not unfounded, right? There's there's a basis to them. Uh, and again, you, you talked about it there. There's an importance at this point. As you're going through, you know, the end of the regular season, coaches' jobs are on the line, and and this is a type of thing that you know really could change things. You know, especially in a sport like basketball, one player can definitely make all the difference, and one result can make all the difference uh, for some of these coaches in terms of making the tournament or not. 
Uh, so I think that that's incredibly um, just well put there because it is, you know, a difficult thing when you're in a position where you have this information, but have to decide uh, whether you're going to go forwards with it or not. Um, and, and I definitely think this is a, a situation where it was necessary um, to, to kind of release, um, release this and, and put together this sort of a report. Yeah. It's important in this business to be willing to make people unhappy. Uh, that's just a, a nature of the business. And I promise you, I make multiple people unhappy every week and I hear about it. And that's fine. And I expect the pushback and I welcome the pushback. It keeps me on my toes. I want to make sure everything I have is good. And, and the people who said, hey, look, I mean, we're not talking about a COVID year. And this, I get all that. I really understand all that. I'm not seeing whether the kid should or should not be eligible I'm telling you what I found and what I what I uncovered and obtained and what's going around the conference and what the co- talk of the Lone Star Conference is. Because I know compliance officers were on the phone with Lone Star Conference compliance Monday morning. Like this is this was a situation and it's probably still playing out behind the scenes. Right. And that's the thing about this, too. Like, you know, this is a, a deal that. I don't know if we've heard the last of it, right? Because, uh, you know, again, you, you talked about Corey. If he's not eligible, come come time for the Elite Eight, right? Like how how can he be eligible right now? That's the question that I think still needs to be answered and, and really um, hasn't been answered yet. Uh, it's hard to figure out kind of a, a concrete response to that. Uh, it'll be definitely interesting to follow. and a story that will continue to probably unfold, um over the next couple of weeks yes it will but it's not the only drama that we have to talk about because we're going to get into uh, a division two release their alphabetical rankings um which i mentioned to one of the d2 national guys yesterday in conversation that i would like to be in charge of the first regional release and i would rank every single team in every region because that's basically what this is the here are teams in consideration in alphabetical order and any team outside of consideration could still get it so basically we get a whole release of nothing it's pointless but division three gave us something to talk about this week and that's what we're going to do starting with division three let's start with the women here riley and they came out Harden Simmons, Mary Harden Baylor, one and two, Williamette three, Trinity four, Whitman five, Cal Lutheran six, UT Dallas is seven, which uh, you were explaining why UT Dallas being in there was so important to these rankings. It really is because, you know, so much of uh, the criteria that's weighed, right, when, when these regional advisory committees um, are kind of putting together these top seven in each region. You know, the regionally ranked teams in those seven, um, they the cows are regionally ranked opponent, and though that's one of the primary criteria that's considered when not only ranking these teams, but I think people need to understand these regional rankings serve as the basis for who gets the at-large bids into the NCAA tournament. So these aren't just rankings that are just put out uh, to look at. These are rankings that are going to be used. Um, come Sunday and, and into you know Sunday Sunday evening 
when these final selections are made for the NCAA tournament. So uh, it's a big, big deal to even be a number seven team in the region, not because that team has a good chance of being at large bid, but because for the teams towards the top of the region or the teams that play them in other regions of the country, it does serve as a regionally ranked win, say they say they won, and, and vice versa if they lost. And so adding that one more result can make a world of difference as, uh, as these committees are looking at things because the margins between many of them um, you know, say the one, two teams in, in Region 10 right now, right? It's it's Harden-Simmons at number one, Mary Harden-Baylor at number two. Harden-Simmons went 2-0 and o against UT Dallas um, this season. Mary Harden-Baylor went 1-1. One and one. So now you have a situation where, you know, Harden-Simmons has that extra regionally ranked win. We don't know how big of a role that could play in helping keep Harden-Simmons ahead of Mary Harden-Baylor. There's chance for a head-to-head result between HSU and UMHB on Saturday. Uh, but but at the end of the day, it's important to be looking at the teams in these bombs, these regions, uh, because they do affect who's at the top. And uh, it's interesting, Corey, to, to see UT Dallas in there because of the strength of schedule. Their strength of schedule has been very, very low uh, this season, right around 481. And the, 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 the committee, the national committee, as well as the regional advisory committees have been talking all year about their emphasis on strength of schedule. Um, yet they took a lower strength of schedule team uh, because the win percentage was a little bit better than some of the possible um, other teams that were in consideration. So that was kind of the drama there um, at the bottom of Region 10 was seeing a, a team in – uh, UT Dallas that really didn't have a, a great strength of schedule. And to be honest, the win percentage at 769 uh, was only a, a few points higher. In one case, only seven points higher than Laverne, who had a better strength of schedule than UT Dallas. So there was some inconsistency there that I think uh, was questioned not only within Region 10, but but maybe nationally as well as to how that may have come about. Yeah, not only are they down strength of schedule, UT Dallas is one and three against in region ranked opponents and Laverne is two and two. Not sure, but it doesn't matter because, well, it does. It does matter. Like you just said, but I mean, as far as the American Southwest conference tournament goes, UT Dallas is eliminated after Ozarks went in and beat a depleted squad. Let's be honest. UTD did not have Addy self. And then they suffered another injury uh, there. And really, I think that caught up to them uh, in the fourth quarter of that game against Ozarks. So Ozarks moves on. Uh, There was another upset in the other one, if you want to call it that. East Texas Baptist beat McMurray. I mean, McMurray hosted. I thought those two teams were pretty evenly matched uh, coming in. Let me tell you, Riley, the way TPU executed in that game, uh, they're going to be problems for the top two in the conference coming this weekend. Absolutely. You know, and I've said this, referenced this a couple times on the podcast already, but last year we saw a similar situation with UT Dallas, who really struggled for the whole first half of the year and then caught fire in the second half of the year, ended up making a run through the ASC tournament, hit a buzzer beater uh, to beat Harden Simmons in the semifinals, then ended up beating ETBU um, to win that automatic qualifier of the ASC. We could see a similar situation with U- uh, ETBU this year, a team that started the year one in seven. Uh, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of people wrote him off uh, just thinking that maybe it was a rebuilding year, five new starters. But Blake Arbogast has really turned that thing around 
quickly. Um, he's got some upperclassmen there who have really taken charge and stepped up. ETBU is just an aggressive team. They, they fight for rebounds. Um, they're going to win uh, in a lot of the different categories. And even if they're not shooting the ball especially well, you know, their defense typically uh, has stepped up time and time again, especially the last several weeks. This is a team that's that's playing really well at the right time. I think you said, Corey, I mean, they're they're in a very good spot now as they head to Abilene and or actually stay in Abilene. They already played in Abilene once. They're just staying there uh, for, for these, you know, for the semifinal at least and, and potentially, you know, maybe a final if they can uh, pull off an upset. Yeah, I, I was I was uh, conversing with Blake, our guest earlier this week, and I was I was like, so are you packing a bag for the whole week? And he was like, man, we hope so. <laughs> and they are so they are in the semifinals. Uh, I want to ask you this tournament this weekend, it's going to be great, right? We're going to see some great basketball. We know that. Is the winner of the ASC tournament, if it's Harden Simmons or Mary Harden Baylor, is that the host next week? I think we can say that with a lot of certainty. Uh, and I think it's where they're in the regional rankings, too, right? So, like. I mean, it, it takes a long time to kind of go through all the whole deal with the geography with the NCAA, but essentially, you know, a team within 500 miles um, of each other, they can bus. Uh, so, you know, for the NCAA, it makes a lot of sense if, and especially if Trinity wins the SCAC or any team from Texas for that matter, whether it be Texas Lutheran or Trinity um, or, you know, coming as the front runners there. You know, they te- ideally the NCAA has three teams in Texas, so they only have to fly one in, and uh, and that saves them quite a bit. So, along with that, Harn Simmons, number one in the region, Mary Harn Baylor, number two. That really is is that's going to be one of those two teams at the top of Region Ten, and, and almost certainly, uh, unless something crazy happens, there's always a chance the NCAA could fly one of them out for some weird reason. But that doesn't look very likely, and it looks like the winner of this conference tournament, assuming it's Harden-Simmons or UMHB, will get to host come next week. So here, I get there one and two in the region over Williamette because their strength of schedule is better. But Williamette owns a 4-1 and one in region ranked opponent's record. That is right. significant. Because uh, 2-2 two and two and 3-2 and two are UMHB's 2-2, two and two, uh, HSU's 3-2. and two. That matters. It so I does. think I, I, I'm curious this. If Williamette wins the conference and Mary Hart and ETBU wins, who's who's hosting it? Yeah, because then again, so and, and this this, you know, I'll try to keep it short here, but uh what you would have there is a situation where you potentially have three ASC teams in Harden Simmons and Mary Hart and Baylor are about as close to locks for pool C bids as you're gonna get. Um, even if neither wins uh, the conference tournament, I think we can feel pretty good about both ch- uh, both of their chances to get a pool C bid. Now you have three ASC teams, and you're not allowed to have conference teams meet in the first round. It can be in the second round. We saw that last year with ETBU and, and Mary Harden Baylor men, but cannot be in the first round. So now you're going to have to fly someone out. Um, and, and so then you have a situation there where it becomes a little interesting. But Willamette um, out in Salem, Oregon – they're going to have trouble getting uh, someone else there. 
there's a good chance that they're the only representative from their conference out in the Northwest Conference. And as a result, even if they were to finish number one in the region, I, I, we can say with a lot of certainty based on having seen things in the past, they're not, the NCAA isn't going to fly three teams out there. Yeah, that ain't uh, happening. And so, <laughs> so they're going to have to fly somewhere, right? So even if they were to get to number one in the region uh, and Hard Simmons and Maryland Miller dropped to two and three, I mean, as long as we have two ASC teams in plus a Trinity or Texas Lutheran, there's going to be a pod hosted in Texas. And and almost certainly that pod will still be at the highest remaining, whether it be Hart and Simmons or Merrihart and Baylor uh, within those regional rankings. Well, I'm looking forward to Abilene, which is bad news for those of you in Abilene because Corey Hogue is headed that way uh, to, on Friday. We're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow, I am heading to Abilene. I'm coming to just ransack the place for two days with basketball. <laughs> now there's always the chance too. I just should note that say Maryland Baylor wins uh, at that, at that pivotal uh, championship game. So we get to that scenario, Harden Simmons versus Maryland Baylor uh, on the women's side and Maryland Baylor wins. It's uh, Maryland Baylor most likely will jump back ahead. And then we could have Belton, um, you know, next weekend. Oh, yeah. So, there's a yeah. lot of different scenarios playing out, but you could definitely end up in Abilene. Oh, I am this weekend. Court. I was talking not, about this weekend. Well, that's what I mean. I'm just yeah. saying for – Oh, for I could be there, two weekends of ransack in Abilene? I mean, for, for those out there, you know, if, if you're trying to make travel plans and you're a, a Texas basketball fan, you know, keep keep that weekend open. But there's a good chance you'll be heading to Abilene or Belton. And we'll get into the men's side here in a second too because we could get another uh, another regional here in the state of Texas next week. But, yeah, for now – uh, you'll be out there, uh, yeah. Yeah, Abilene I know, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what everyone says when they hear that I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so the SCAC, let's give them some talk. Let's give the SCAC some love here. Uh, Trinity was ranked fourth in Region 10. I'm curious your thoughts on this, Riley. Does Trinity have to win the conference tournament this year to make it in to the NCAA? I don't think they have to, but I think their chances are going to be much, much better um, if they do, because I think where they're at within the region right now, uh, you know, Will Amit obviously would need to win the Northwest Conference ahead of them. Um, you know, they're you, you kind of in this position if you're Trinity, you want the teams ahead of you to win their conference tournaments. And, and as a result, um, they could be in a situation where they only have one team ahead of them. Um, in terms of the regional rankings and getting to that pool C table, I think Trinity has a good shot uh, to get into the tournament. Uh, it's definitely not a sure thing at this point, but I think you can feel pretty good about your chances if you're Trinity uh, just to be sitting where you're at. To, to be number four in the region versus number five is a big deal, um, especially with the way that everything lines up. There's a good chance you're going to get two pool A's in front of you um, and on that qualifier. So, you would only be technically blocked by one team. And so, yeah, Trinity is a good spot. Um, I think they're playing well at the right time. They were another team like ETVU that just, you know, they went through a tough stretch uh, there in, in, in December, but they've they figured some things out. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, they have – their numbers are, are pretty good. They're 3-2 and two against in-ranked region opponents, and their win percent – their streaks of schedules are competitive. Uh, so I think, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun weekend to see. Now we go look over at the men's side and boy, do we have some things to talk about because Cal Lutheran was 
place is number one in the region, Trinity number two. I realized the Tigers lost to St. Thomas last week. That was on the road. That was at St. Thomas. And by the way, UMHB and Harden Simmons, women, just to go back there for a, a split second, they they won on each other's home court. So right. everything is wide open this week. All right, back over here to the men's side. Trinity and St. Thomas. That's where the discussion lies because St. Thomas won. I get it. But Trinity still has a better overall record uh, than Cal Lutheran, who was ranked number one heading into this. And you look at the stats, Trinity is six and two versus division ranked opponents. It's a pretty good mark, right? Cal Lutheran is sitting there. Let me, oh, where'd they go? There they went to. They're five and three. All right, but their their strength of schedules uh, in division five thirty nine division non conference five seventy two for Cal Lutheran for Trinity those numbers are at five forty two and five eighty five they are better every number across the board yeah. is better so basically they're <laughs> it seems to me Riley that they're placing Cal Lutheran ahead based off one data point the most recent data point which is what drives me nuts about the NCAA when it comes to the tournaments. So here's my question. If Trinity wins the, the SCAC tournament this weekend at Centenary, and by the way, as far as winning at Centenary, they had no problem doing that last weekend. Are they hosting? If both Cal Lutheran and Trinity are conference champions, is Trinity the top seed and are they hosting? Yeah, that's, I mean, again, like we were talking about on the women's side, like I think it's going to come down to the geography of things too. Like, it, it, you know, if Pomona Pitzer um, also gets it, if you can get in one other team from the SkyAct, that California conference, well, now you have two SkyAct teams and, and you're likely going to have two Texas teams, but but there's a chance that St. Thomas gets in with a, a at-large bid, right? And if that happens – you're also going to have the ASC automatic qualifier. You'll have three teams in the state of Texas. And once again, it makes sense for the NCAA um, to host a pod in this in the Lone Star State, which would be at Trinity. Um, you know, they have the, the better resume right now. As, as you mentioned, Corey, I think a lot of us were very surprised to see Trinity drop to number two in the region. Uh, it's hard to understand how that came about with Trinity being better in almost every single category and criteria uh it just doesn't make a lot of sense at that point and so i think you know if if both teams even win their conference tournaments there's a chance we see trinity jump back in front um, especially if they can get a win over st thomas maybe pick up another regionally ranked win uh, but regardless i think trinity hosting is is a very very likely possibility at this point because again it looks like st thomas has put themselves in a position now sitting third in the region to get a, an at-large bid which would be big uh, and would put three teams here in Texas when you add in that ASC on that qualifier. St. Thomas's biggest strength in the numbers is that they're four and zero against ranked competition. Trinity oh. is six and two. Uh, so in the those in two of the those two are to St. Thomas. Those those are big data points. Yeah. Now you mentioned yeah. Pomona Pitzer, so let's go through that data point. They have some good numbers when it comes strength of schedule. But there's one glaring number to me, and that's one in five against ranked teams. I don't see how they 
unless they win their re- their conference tournament, I don't see how Pomona Pitzer gets in that large bid with that with a one and five against ranked opponents. Right. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think, and again, we could see some things change a little bit with these conference tournaments. So by the time we get to Sunday, um, you know, the Sky Act tournament will play out. Pomona Pitzer may have another regionally ranked winner too. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that ends up factoring in. Uh, There's a lot of changes that typically tend to be made uh, in terms of movement, maybe one spot up, one spot below, but those things can play a big role. But yeah, agreed. I, I think it will be interesting because, we, again, like I said with the Trinity women, when you're sitting there at fourth in the region, you can feel good about your chances, but at the same time, like you can't feel great. You can't feel 100% confident that you're going to get in because you're far enough down there that it's going to be a situation where you're going to get picked towards the end of that pool seat process. And so when you get to that point, those last five, six rounds, it's definitely not a sure thing. And the one in five uh, against regional ranked opponents, you know, again, even if it's two and five, three and five, it's, it's, it's not great, right? You, you really, you, you want to see a team that's, it's good that they played those regional ranked opponents. Their league is good, but it, at the same time, you know, they have a lot of losses and, and they haven't won in the big games and they, I mean, they, you know, margin of victory doesn't factor in here, but Trinity really beat them bad um, in, in late December. Those are the kinds of results, though, the Trinity win over Pomona Pitzer that are the type of thing that keeps Trinity ahead of Pomona Pitzer at this point when you ha- get in those head-to-head and common opponent wins. Six losses in, in a, you know, in Division yeah. Three that – just the in-division record, the overall record. I realize five of those six losses are to ranked opponents, but you, you're not good when it comes to getting wins on those. It's just hard for me to see a team that's 16-6 and six in Division III, 18-6 overall to get – to get a to get a nod right like it just it's just really difficult for me to see that right now but that's not my decision it's the ncaa and we all know you can never guess what they're going to do they're going to just yeah anyway over to the asc we have mary harden baylor and harden simmons are meeting in the semifinals (laughs) which is, is very intriguing in the other semifinal, we have Laterno and UT Dallas. So all four Texas teams. Let's just say what it is, Riley. The only ASC team on the men's side getting into the tournament this year is the conference champion. I, there's just no other way around it right now. Absolutely. Yep. Only only going to be one bid. So it puts that much more pressure uh, on this conference tournament, right? Uh, even if you're the number one seed, you're Harden Simmons right now hosting on your home floor. You're not getting in unless you win two games in, in two days. And uh, and that's what makes conference tournaments a lot of fun. It does. And uh, before, we, before we're done here, well, first off, I want to remind everyone that we are a podcast on the Zone Star State Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas basketball and Texas football. Please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, any platform you catch us on. Like, share, follow. That's how you help us grow. Also, if you, we would love your support if you could go to texasfootball.com backslash subscribe. For $50, that's the highest price point right now. You get 
every game we show on Texan Live, which, by the way, playoff basketball is going on. It's all on Texan Live for high school. Uh, you also get all the, the insider content, everything. You get three magazines. We put out three magazines a year, the football magazine that everyone knows about. We have a basketball and a recruiting edition. You get all three of those. And if you're like, man, 50 bucks is a lot, Corey, we have other tiers and we're working on trying to convince them to even get more because <laughs> we're trying to make this affordable for everyone. We would definitely appreciate your, your support. Again, that's texasfootball.com backslash subscribe. Lone Star Conference still has two weekends remaining. Some teams have three games. Some teams have four. This is interesting. This really is. You start looking at magic numbers, and I know I updated them and put them out. Let's start on the men's side. And by the way, if Ja'Cory Ely was ineligible, UTPB would all of a sudden be in the eighth spot in the Lone Star Conference tournament. It does matter. All right. St. Mary's Midwestern State. Let's start down there. They are on, they're in a very, very bad place. They've got a tragic number of one, which means one loss by them in their final. Oh, goodness. St. Mary's has four games left, two of those against St. Edwards. One of one loss, and they're done. Or one win by Texas A&M International, and they're done. Midwestern State, they also need to win out. Uh, and they're automatically eliminated on Thursday night, if UTPB wins at Texas Tyler, yep. that is, they will be eliminated with that. That's very important. Oklahoma Christian's still in. Uh, UTPB and Texas A&M International, that's going to be a battle that comes down there. And I'll tell you, it's not just Tammy U that's involved there. You look up above and Eastern New Mexico, St. Edwards, and Cameron from five through eight is undecided right now. And Angelo still hasn't locked in the four slot. There's a lot of movement to watch. And this weekend Riley is going to be entertaining because Texas A&M Kingsville and Texas A&M international are at Midwestern state and Cameron. It's about to get good. It really will be because again, like, like you talked about, like we, we get some really interesting matchups at this point um, in, in the year, especially, you know, when you look at how deep this conference is and, and you go all the way from that, that fifth spot where Eastern New Mexico would be right now if the season ended today, all the way down to, to say even Oklahoma Christian there sitting, you know, nine and ten. Uh, a lot of big head-to-head matchups are about to happen. Um, certainly uh, plenty on the slate tonight. Um, as you mentioned, we're recording on uh, Thursday here. And then as you look ahead, um, you know, to Saturday, just some, some real big battles. And then, you know, obviously moving ahead beyond that, we're going to have a couple fun weeks here as this playoff picture really starts to come into clearer focus. Again, at this point, it's just a mix of teams there uh, competing for those final four spots. You want to have some fun? Let's talk Lone Star Conference women. West Texas A&M can lock in a spot. They will be the seventh team. If West Texas A&M has a magic number of one, one win or a loss by either Cameron or Arkansas Fort Smith and West Texas A&M 
has clinched the seventh spot. That means there's one spot remaining. And Riley, the drama on that one spot is remarkable because these four teams, Cameron, UAFIS, Kingsville, Midwestern State, if Midwestern State wins out and UAFIS loses two of three, and by the way, they're not good on the road, and they're doing the Western New Mexico, Eastern New Mexico road yep. swing this week. They're not good on the road, and it's the hardest trip in the conference, especially when you're talking Fort Smith, Arkansas, to Silver City, New Mexico, right? That's, oh. a, that's a heck of a trip there, yeah. What I'm saying is there's a chance. All right, I'm saying it's possible. But that scenario about MSU also applies to Texas A&M Kingsville. If they win out, they also could get there. And Cameron plays Midwestern State in a couple of weeks. And Cameron also plays Kingsville on Saturday. And MSU and Kingsville both, or MSU and Cameron, well, and Kingsville too for that matter, play Tammy U. And uh, they're no slouch. They're pretty good. The Dust Devils are a pretty good basketball team up there. They're already locked into the tournament. There is so much excitement. It's going to be – we're going to know a little more after tonight when MSU and Kingsville play and Cameron and Tammy U. The magic numbers tomorrow are going to be fun to look at. But – Riley, you can't ask for more drama right now than you've got in the Lone Star Conference women for one spot. You've got four teams for one spot. Yeah, the one spot thing is is what really makes it an interesting deal because, again, like teams are right now, everyone's vying for this final spot to just have a chance uh, to get into the conference tournament. And it, you mentioned it. I mean, just some really big matchups coming up. Uh, that Kingsville-Cameron duel there um, in, in Lawton, Oklahoma on Saturday. I don't know if it gets any bigger than that in terms of when you look at the stakes. And you talked about some other matchups there as well. Um, that will be coming up, something to keep an eye on, even even games on tonight's slate. And, and you'll certainly be uh, keeping up with those numbers. Uh, it, it'll be interesting because I think when you get into a, a position like this late in the year, you know, teams are getting tired. The, the fatigue is setting in. But at the same time, there's there needs to be this big push. Uh, again, because one loss and and really you're even if you're not mathematically eliminated, your chances uh, drop that much more. And so there's just that much more of an incentive to keep winning and, and find a way to get some of these road wins, which are so important in this league, especially. You know, winning on the road is is a difficult thing with some of these road trips. Uh, but if you can do it and do it well and do it at a consistent rate, it'll really take you far. That is true. It's going to be fun to watch. And tonight I will be inside the League and Coliseum where Midwestern State is hosting Texas A&M Kingsville. It's big games for both teams and big, big games for the Lone Star Conference. Right, it really is. This is fun. right. This is right. going to be a fun time. And then tomorrow, I am very excited about this trip to Abilene. The the men's side, they are battling for for playoff life, and the women's side is going to be great basketball as well. We're in store for a lot, and I'll be keeping an eye on what's going on out there in Centenary, Louisiana, as well, Riley, and I, as I know you will. Man, 
Thank you so much. Really appreciate you jumping on this pod with us here. This is so much fun. And we're going to be back again next week with so much more to talk about. We're going to have selection shows. We're going to be able to talk NCAA brackets. And we're going to have a lot better idea of the Lone Star Conference Tournament. We want to make sure we say thank you so much to everyone who is listening to this and to everyone who goes to texasfootball.com and reads our stories. Thank you so much. For Riley Zayas, I'm Corey Hogan. Until next week, stay safe.